a live studio audience. This is the end, beautiful friend. This is the end, my only friend, the end of our elaborate plans, the end of everything that stands, the end. No safety or surprise, the end. Hello and welcome to Third Degree Burn. I am John Hyatt and I am here with an awesome crew. And we are going to be, be presenting the last Galactus story. How cool is that? Just, I am looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. With me is our illustrious Kirk Greenfield. Good Say morning. And Tim Elliott. Hello got that last name in there this time <laughs> and the most important podcaster in history brian hughes i am brian hughes and i approve this message <laughs> hey guys how's it going good how are you all i'm it's having Sunday. a blast i've been on vacation since friday and i will be i mean i actually i was off friday also and i don't go to back back to work until the 4th of january right and I'm just having a blast of Christmas shopping with the family over the weekend and, you know, just running around and taking care of stuff and playing Dungeons and Dragons with some of my other friends, uh, including my wife and son who, who joined in on that. So I'm just having a blast. And of course, uh, last week I watched the last chapter of the latest season of The Mandalorian, which I will say without any spoiler that uh, that was simply one of the finest shows I've seen in a long time. And uh, I don't mind paraphrasing Aaron Henley and Scott Gardner when saying that The Mandalorian is the Star Wars we should have been getting for the last several years. It is. I hear that last episode really is good. Everybody's saying, quick, go watch it. Don't watch yep. the internet. Yep. Get do not off. spoil it for anyone. Please do yeah. not spoil it for anybody. Because what you see in... The last several episodes of the, every episode of the season had callbacks to all different aspects of the Star Wars universe. And, you know, whether it was the, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and, you know, the, and, and the Clone Wars, Rebels, uh, any aspect of Star Wars that you can think of, there is some way it's reaching out and touching it and bringing it to the fold and making it relevant. Um, there's just so much that uh, went into it and it really 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 brought the feels um it it, it I, I i know that there is not usually a dry high a dry eye in the house when something nicely emotional happens when my family and i are watching something and that was the case here friday we were just we were watching it and all of us at the end were i i, I don't want to say bawling but there were tears rolling down all our faces and that it just it was that good. Oh, they brought back the emperor. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Again. Well, Again. this is this is not a spoiler, but you guys, uh, I haven't watched it, but I kind of know what's kind of going on. Uh, although I don't know what the big reveal is from the, the last episode, so I'm trying to stay away from that. But 
Do you guys uh, believe the uh, rumor that they they are they may replace uh, Pedro Pascal, get rid of the Mandalorian, and replace him with Boba Fett, or do you hope they will do that? I can't comment on that. I I like um, the Mandalorian. I like Din. I think he's a great character, and I hope they don't. Well, I, I agree. I like from the I, I saw the first, I've seen the first ser- uh, season. I don't like him, but I, I I don't know if that's because they're having trouble with uh, Pascal because he's being, I guess, quote difficult. And uh, I I think that right there, I'll tell you right now, I feel based on how this season went, that all of that was a non thing. That was strictly thrown out there to raise, the you know, the the profile, awareness. interest in awareness. Um, especially with the way the season went, the character development that we saw in Din Djarin, um, that, that was, you know, no, uh-uh. I, I, I don't buy it. I don't, I don't think that that was real. And it, regardless, he was there for, you know, to the, for this season. Uh, and the way things went this season, I'm pretty sure that if there's a place for him there next season, he's going to be there. But that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. In other Star Wars news, uh, have you all heard about the death of the actor who played um, Jeremy uh, Bullock? Jeremy Bullock. Yes, yeah. thank you. And you know, and that's sad. I and and I'm I'm hoping he got to see the um, this season. I really hope he did. But and I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay. Because he should see that Boba Fett getting his due. Hmm. All right. Um, hold on just a second. I, I, you know, you guys, please vamp amongst yourselves. I'm looking for something. I'm going to ask this question because I I know it's not new, but I guess it just popped up on Netflix because it was on my recommended, you know, for me. So I watched about the first five episodes. The X Men anime that is on Netflix, I think it came out in, it's about 10 years old. It came out in like 2011. And I like the hat, Kirk. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, it's has anybody seen this or watched it? No, I, I haven't. haven't. Yeah, and like I said it's not new, but I don't. Know, maybe it's just now new to Netflix, and it's only twelve episodes. I think it's like one season. It's extremely anime. I think it was originally a Japanese show that's just been dubbed into English. Uh, I don't think it was one of these that was done by Japanese in the style of anime. Uh, and maybe it was done by a Japanese company for English release. I think it may be actually Japanese. It's interesting to watch because it opens with the very end of the Dark Phoenix saga and then carries on. They do they change a lot of stuff. It's uh, Characters are kind of changed. The characters are really not themselves. Uh, there's only four X-Men. It only starts with Beast, uh, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Storm. Uh, Is Wolverine they, Australia? He he's not he doesn't have the Australian accent, but he's got that Thank gruff. God. He's got that. In fact, they call him Canadian in the in the show. They say he's Canadian, but uh, it's it's very uh, fist of the North Star. If you know it, get that reference. It's extremely over the top, very anime. Uh, the storyline does particularly make a lot of sense. They they do um, they change a lot of stuff that I don't particularly like, but um, a lot of violence. It's With violence, that, that but it's... lineup, you've got Beast, Wolverine, and Cyclops. There's a lot of action right there. 
Well, they're, it looks like from their costumes and the way that Beast looks, they're pulling from the Morrison run. So Beast looks like his kind of lion look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their costumes look like the, you know, the, when Morrison changed them. The leather. I guess it was quietly changed them. Uh, to look like more like the, 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 the movies. So yeah, it's it's they're like leather jumpsuits with X's on them. Um, I don't know. It, and a lot of it takes place in Japan. So of course. it's a... It's it's an interesting oddity, and then there's also a, a Wolverine one that showed up that's a different style, and Wolverine looks uh, very young. Uh, he's got these great big button chops. I I didn't watch that one, <laughs> but uh, if you've got Netflix, it'd be interesting just to watch. Um, they're only thirty minutes, twenty minutes each, but that that was odd. I was watching that on Saturday. Now, those were done a couple years ago, though, weren't they? I think it's about 10 years old. It says 2011. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I remember trying to watch those because I remember they also had the Iron Man anime and some other Avenger anime out there, and they bored me to tears. They just, I mean, they were beautiful to look at, and but they were such, in, in so many ways, a departure for what I was accustomed to. And, you know, they, they had that, typical slow movement lots of exposition i've been watching uh, a bit of anime with my son and one of the things that we've been watching is uh attack on titan and the the thing is like they seem to do this this thing in spurts where they'll have one episode that's like all action and then they have two or three episodes that's just exposition it just bores me to tears i'd like each episode to have its own smattering of both rather than you know space it out like it is this has got a lot of a lot of action in it uh and they don't it's interesting if anybody watches that what i would like you know i'm not going to say anything about it here but to comment about the way all the women are drawn um Hmm. in typical anime fashion but so it's going to be really popular (laughs) possibly it it doesn't work attributes up front uh pretty much okay and uh well, you know, when they did the, was this the, was it the early aughts? Or was it the late 90s when they they did the kind of manga version of like Spider-Man and they did, I think, Iron Man. They did, they took a lot of the Marvel stuff and kind of tried to do it in the manga style. Uh, they did it with Star Wars too. Have you seen those little pocket books that they did for uh, Star Wars? They did Star Wars, Empire, and Jedi uh, as manga. And they're the little small books and they're all in black and white and some of those are books i guess i guess you know if you know what size manga is usually is like a reader's digest size book right yeah it's, it's like that and there huh. i think there are four books per movie and they're all done in different styles but it's interesting to see that translates i think better when you do uh something that's traditionally maybe western you do it as a manga style as opposed to taking the x-men and making them an anime style it doesn't quite uh, to Brian's point, it's beautiful. The animation's nice, but it's just like this is these aren't my characters. This is how this should go. The characters, one of the characterizations were all off, and, and right. they and they they do, which is they did the same thing with the films. They take this um, property that's forty years old, and they kind of pick. It's like, oh, we're going to tell this story, but we're not going to tell this story the way it was written. We're going to pick. You're gonna, you know, pick the characters we like or the ones we think are popular and mix those in there. So that doesn't make sense. And we're gonna change this and change this character around because there's a. In this, there are there are, and maybe this is from the X Men. There are 
There's a group called the U-Men, and I don't remember them from the comics. I remember no. the UFOs. UFOs. Yeah, this is not the and same the, thing. And the Animen, but not the... They call U-Men. them the U-Men, and they look a little bit like... Uh, was it is it Cameron Hodge that became that was kind of an ally to the X-Men and then became a cyborg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the, the buddy of Warren Worthington. And he would th- that, was seen yeah. in charge of the Reavers, is that right? They were all... They were all uh, cyborgs. I, I, I thought he became a minion of Apocalypse. I could be wrong on that. Anyway, it, so it seems like that and... they're kind of taking that character and that storyline and kind of altering it a little bit to fit mm-hmm. in. They're just calling them human because they're cyborgs that hate mutants, that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. You know, you yeah, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I I I'm going to change subjects just a little bit. You'd mentioned Star Wars um, anime. I, I came across in my collection um, a comic book. That is, it looks like a miniature reproduction of Marvel Star Wars issue number six. So it's like the Death Star battle. And it's three by five in size, the size of an index card. Hmm. And it looks to be a reprint of that that original issue with Roy, Roy Thomas writer and Howard Chaikin, the artist. And on the back, of course, it's got Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel, and IDW. So this was done fairly recently um, that this came out. But the thing that's really weird is Howard Chaikin's art looks so much better in this digest than I remember. And the destruction of the Death Star in this looks like the updated version of the destruction of the Death Star, where it's, you know, the single ring coming out with a massive explosion. Hmm. What if they... Well, it sounds like, you know, when sometimes you would get an action figure and they would have a replica of a comic behind it and it's yeah. really tiny? That's what that sounds yeah. like. Well, and, and I think that's probably what it is, but I don't. It looks like the art has been updated. Hmm. So I bet. Like it's I a bet, special edition of the art. I, again, I. I can't imagine Chaikin doing that. I, I'd have to go into my collection and pull out the original, my original Marvel Star Wars, because I don't have any digital copies of that, just to look at that and see if it's it's like that, because I don't recall it looking this nice. I mean, I like Howard Chaikin's art. But uh, I didn't well, think his I've, art had tightened up so much. I've got all the Star Wars as uh, CBZs if you want copies of them. I, I'd appreciate that, yes. Yeah. But uh, I think we should probably move on to our subject at hand. What do you all think? If that's Is there anything issue, else anybody... If that's issue number six, yeah. and Tim is right that it's released with characters, I would look... I, I, I would start exploring the possibility that they've got six... You know what I'm saying? Six figures that have been released, at least six. You know, Luke, Han, mm-hmm. uh, Leia, uh, Chewbacca. Um, Yoda wasn't in that one. Um, well, it have to be you know, released with the either the Force Awakens characters or any of the yeah. the, the, the the sequels. This had, it looks like it was released somewhere around 2015, because the back back inside page or uh, one of the back inside pages. Shows the micro comic collector pack coming in 2016 for Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. Okay. So, uh, you, you know, it's 2015, so around that time. And um, let's see, what else did they have? Uh, a nice advertisement for Marvel Unlimited. And uh, a, a picture uh, inside the back cover. It looks like one of the covers to the original Marvel series where you've got Obi-Wan holding a red lightsaber and down in an attack pose with Darth Vader while Luke and Leia are uh, swinging on the rope uh, okay. in the, in the so, Death Star. 
So Obi-Wan and Darth. Oh, that's the Ernie Chan artwork from 1978. Wow. And it says, may the force be with you. So, uh, what are we talking about today? Uh, well, I think this was your idea, so we're going to yes, give you full credit. This is the, the, the serialized... The trilogy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's not a trilogy. FF forty four through fifty, the Galactus trilogy, right? No, 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 no. This is, uh, it's it's one. It's an unfinished story, and that's that's kind of sad. But we do have some epilogues and some thoughts and some ideas on it. But uh, we're going to cover uh, about half of this today, and that is the first four chapters of the last Galactus story that was printed in Epic's Epic Illustrated Magazine back in the, um, back in 1984 80. and 85. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got issue 28 through 36. Now it started in 26 though, didn't it? I've got various, cause I've, I found said from 28 to 36. I've also seen from 28 to 30. It ran through nine issues. Yeah, it ran through nine issues, and then, oops, the magazine got canceled, and um, it, uh, it while while Byrne tried to get it shopped around to see if someone else could uh, would, would would allow him to do it, uh, he didn't find anything immediately to uh, finish it, and he also wanted to, you know, maybe cover it in the Fantastic Four run, but because he left Marvel to go work for DC, uh, that never never uh, materialized. And then as time went on, you know, he just basically, you know, he's got that switch in his head that he just turns off and it, it doesn't bother him that he didn't get to go back and complete that. And here we are 35 years later. Um, and there's been talk about maybe IDW uh, doing like an artist edition of this and letting him complete it. Now, whether or not that'll actually happen, I, I don't know. Uh, one of the, the the mitigating factors and all that will be Terry Austin, because Terry Austin did do the inks on the last Galactus story, and so that means that half the pages of it would be in his possession. And as we know, you know, as we've discussed in the past, Terry Austin isn't releasing any of his art until he's ready to sell it as part of his uh, retirement package. Well, and I think that's actually pretty smart. But we'll see. even if they're not going to do an artist uh, edition, they could still just collect it and have possibly, you know, Burn and Austin, if, you know, I guess the money's there, have them finish the last. Because I think it was only going to be one more chapter, right? Ta ten chapters total. So that's six pages or six or eight, depending on how long that, you get to do it. It's just infuriating to me if that's the case, that if it was just one, one I chapter. Think I thought it was just one more. I mean, it feels like this is going to be a 12 chapter, but I thought it said just one more chapter. I, I thought it was a it. year. I thought it was, I thought it was yeah, going to be a year long. But, but it actually be two years. Because didn't Epic come out only every other month? I think so, because it ran. If he did this for two years and yeah. only did 10 issues. And what if people aren't familiar with Epic was kind of Marvel's version of uh, heavy metal it was a, yes. a big for it was like a nine by 12 a big format magazine uh i think the printing was they weren't limited to the four color so the printing the coloring is 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 richer and much much um uh, you can do more with the coloring on it uh and it was an anthology book and it was usually had more adult themes i don't think it was covered by a comics code so 
which is odd because Burn doesn't do anything really. He doesn't take advantage of that, uh, of any kind of. I don't know what he would bring into it if he was if it was going to be maybe some violence or something. But uh, he doesn't take advantage of the fact that this could be a little more adult. Other than I think it's, and I don't want to spoil because I don't. I know we're covering the second half, so I don't want to get too far into that. But it does cover. I don't see this as working in a, a monthly comic because it's a little. Uh, it's high concept. It's a little heady. It's a little um, uh, talky, and it feels to me like a like a graphic novel. I think this would have been perfect for a, just a large format graphic novel. It's oversized. It's got the better coloring and the painting effect in it. Uh, the writing's a little uh, highbrow, so it's a shame. That, I, I mean, I guess it was to you know. I think you said it, Brian. They were trying to. Uh, I guess Epic was uh, struggling to get people mm-hmm. to because I, I I think I only own the last issue that has the story in it because my comic shop just didn't carry Epic. I think I found it at a at a, a B Dalton's uh, or a Borders. And yeah, yeah. Tim, I, I think this would have been great as the the way that Marvel originally started their graphic novel series, like with the death of Captain Marvel. Absolutely. And- that right. format would have been great because uh, looking at just the way it's colored and uh, it really would it, it's very similar to like that very first one that um, Death of Captain Marvel uh, and it would have looked beautiful on those pages. Reminds me a lot of his She-Hulk graphic novel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or the, the um, um, oh, it just flew out of my head the. Uh, the Avengers one was uh, colored in the same way. Um, the X Men, um, um, mutant no more, good. or not yeah. mutant no more. Uh, God uh, loves love. man kills. Yeah. You know, I was at the I was at Collected yesterday on the on the West Side, and they have a hardcover version of God loves man kills there. Ooh, nice. That was just gorgeous. And then they had full size prints of uh, the Days of Future Past cover. Which uh, I want a full wall poster of that myself. That's my favorite cover right there, I think. Um, but you know, looking back at this, I, you know, the the I think one of the bigger problems though, putting it in this magazine, and there was a reason behind putting it in that magazine, which was, you know, to try to to bolster the sales. Um, yeah. I just don't think that word got out well enough so that Burns, you know, fifty thousand or however many people he would have follow him to a book, were able to go out and get it. At that day and age, you know, even the comic book shops themselves weren't ordering them as much. And that's because the the Warren books, Creepy, Vampirilla, 1984 and all that were all stopping their their production around this time. If I remember right, I, I had a much harder time finding them around this time than I would, you know, would just three, four years before. Yeah. You find this in a stack with like Starlog, Fangoria. Yeah, Cinefanti, uh, Cinefanti. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, those types. Which I was, you know, I was buying Starlog, but I didn't know. I just didn't even know about this. I think until, you know, I was at a, you know, you, this is where you hear things in comic stores before they were. You know, this is before the days of Wizard or the internet, and you just heard about it. And I think I had, like I said, I had to go to the mall bookstore, and I found the final. Uh, I think I've got the last issue. I don't have all these collected. I don't have all these epics. But we were very fortunate that we found this all collected, every page of the story um, that is done on an actual website. And we'll go ahead and put the link to that 
uh, in the, the notes there on yeah. the Two True Freaks webpage, and uh, I guess we can put it in our Facebook page as yeah, well. But, yeah, it's it's an it's a they're nice scans. Yes, and so if you want to read along uh, as we discuss, uh, you can you can do that, and then you can read on to what uh, they have up to the current non-ending end, which is a very nice uh, uh, cliffhanger. Do we want to get into? We're not in this first part. We're not going to talk about the ending the way Burn. There's no. multiple endings. No. We're not going to talk about discuss those at all. Okay. Just no, make we're sure. just going to cover the first four chapters. Now each chapter was um, six pages, so we're going to cover four chapters. It's 24 pages basically of uh, of art that you have in there. And the synopsis that I have is very succinct and not too uh, not too crazy. So uh, let me go ahead and give you what I have now. Um, I didn't get the uh, typical Mike's Amazing World read on this. And I did. I should have looked that up, but I was uh, you know, more focused on finding other bits of information on that. Of course, this the first issue of this came out in October of 1984, which is also the same time that Berm was working on Alpha Flight 15. Fantastic Four 271, uh, Indiana Jones 1. And if you haven't read that, oh my God, how can you call yourself a Burn fan? <laughs> uh, and then uh, Superman 400, where he had one page of art that was a nice o- older Burn style homage of Superman before his uh, takeover of Superman in 1986. Um, but we'll also be covering the second, third, and fourth uh, thing here in my synopsis so you know this is done of course as a bi-monthly it came out every other month so the next issue that uh, had coverage was in December 1984 to so be also Alpha Flight 17 Fantastic Four 273 and the cover of Power Man and Iron Fist 112 uh, then we go into is it not January but February of 1985 where Alpha Flight 19 came out Fantastic Four 275, the cover of Power Man and Iron Fist 114. I was really enjoying those Power Man and Iron Fist covers that were coming out. And then uh, The Thing, number 20. And I think, of course, that was uh, just uh, scripting, wasn't it? He didn't do art on that one. Uh, I don't know. And then follow, follow the last one here would be, Alpha, uh, would be in April of 1985, and uh, that'd be Alpha Flight 21, Fantastic Four 277, Back from Beyond. Um, Power Man Iron Fist 116, the cover. Uh, and of course, there was a, an official Marvel index to the Amazing Spider-Man number one, where I believe he did the cover. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man number 101, again, another cover. Is that being in April of 85, was that Secret Wars 2 at that time? Because would it would that been one of the 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 gold covers? And see now I want to look uh, that up. I don't know. I don't. Know. We were just talking so, about Secret Wars last week with uh, Ben, the Ben's guys. And I'm going to pull that up real quick because I want to see which cover that is. Because I think it's uh, one of the more famous covers. And it is. Yeah, it is the the in fact my favorite Spider-Man cover, and that is he's in the black costume against the the buildings. Now the black um, and white. All, yeah. yeah, the black and white, where all you're seeing is the the lights from the from the, the buildings. Yeah, because that's if that is a Secret Wars two, that's when the Beyonder turns the the building into gold, 
and it collapses and Spider-Man steals. Yeah, and the, you uh, see the the in one of the later issues of Web of Spider-Man's got the other cover where it's in color and he's in the red and blue and he's swinging by the gold <laughs> skyscraper. So when he steals that, the uh, he steals the notepad out of the trash and he starts feeling guilty because he thinks, well, this will help pay. You know, he was always needing rent money. And he feels guilty over stealing it, even though he goes, well, technically it was trash. And then he finds out the kingpin is getting yeah. all the rest of the gold. Right. And There's... he's like, forget it, I'm taking this. <laughs> and what does he do with it? He he pawns it for, like, what, $300? I thought he sold or Is that where he sells it? He yeah. gets his huge check, and then his landlady comes by, harassing him by something, he, and he just, in a fit of, well, I'll show you when he signs the check over to her, like pay his back rent and all this. And suddenly he realizes, well, that was stupid. Now I have nothing, even though my yeah. rent's paid up for maybe a month or two. So, okay, typical well, Parker luck. <laughs> yeah, but that, but I mean that, <laughs> that's the essence of Spider-Man. Exactly. Um, that's why I read him. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so should I start with this synopsis? I got to make sure I'm reading the right one. Because uh, I've got the synopsis of what happened in those issues, but I also have the synopsis of what should happen at the end. Yeah. And I don't well, want to read we'll that. We'll say All this right. for, for a story. This story is, is, is pretty epic in scope. But the yes. story the story's pretty straightforward. Yes, that's that's true. And I think I think if there is a reason why it didn't get picked up more, it's probably because of when it takes place. And the thing that Byrne, uh, while he's good at doing the galactic stuff, what Byrne is known for most is being in the center, dead set center of the Marvel toy box with all mm. the, the Marvel characters there. Whereas in this story, you're going off in the far flung future and you've got Galactus, you've got Nova, you've got the other characters that they you know bring in here, but they're not the ones that you're so familiar with. Right. And that might, you know, you know, for you know, someone who's sitting there, do I want to spend three dollars on a magazine, right? When I can buy a couple of comics, maybe that's the reason why this didn't pick up as well. But I think there's also just magazine distribution and um, advertising well, and other being, other reasons why this didn't get picked well, up. I think as much. being bi-monthly too, because you're gonna mm-hmm. if it's not coming out regularly, you're gonna either miss it or you're gonna forget about it. And the fact also that I don't think it was it was just on the newsstands. I don't think this was. Uh, in any of the comic shops. So if you're going, you know, so it wasn't on your pull list. Yeah, I, I think after all these years, looking back at it, that we as fans would sit there and look at this going, my gosh, this is amazing. This is this nice grandiose piece of, you know, that, that, that rises above the rest of everything else because it is not a standard comic book story. No, I don't think it's... No, that's why I think, to John's point, it would have been perfect to, for their line of graphic novels. Um, yeah, and and if if the powers that be kind of thought that this wouldn't sell to the normal comic book collector at the time, I disagree. I mean, I would have eaten this up at the time because one, it was. I mean, yeah, you didn't have that any hurt the, the value to eat it. What? Sorry, I'm going to shut oh. up. <laughs> no, I would be absorbing its essence, and I would be doing the Galactus thing with it by just like ah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think people. I think people would have would have loved to have had it as a special edition. Um, you know, either the graphic novel or 
you know, a special mini series since they were already exploring the mini the mini series aspect of things. Um, actually, I'm kind of glad they didn't do a mini series. That would have ruined the story. <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, I think it. I think this really should. Uh, I hope. I, I wish they would just be able to re. Print it because and this would be so great. Well, I I hope that IDW can do it, or we can get some form of absolute edition of this. That that's the format that it begs for. I think you now could, if they did do that, would they do it in color? Because I yeah, I, I like all absolutely. the line art stuff, but man, this this coloring really is part of the whole story as well. I think it I think that it. that's a well, and I think you could even if they can't obviously if they can't get Austin's pages, so they can't do the artist version so it's all black and white and get the pencils just do as printed collect that and then in the back if you could get burned to just write i mean we've kind of what we've read you know give it a little one page synopsis of like this is what i was going to do you know this is how it could have ended yeah and 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 now now for those that want to know that um he's got it a, a few versions out there uh, on his website at burn robotics you have to dig around to find it there is the in the frequently asked questions section the storylines that were not completed, but there are a couple of the threads there regarding there's a this. there's, there's and, a site that I found that will link to his robotics and there's it lists all of the, his uh, it's it's like a subhead of incomplete or um, incomplete stories or however they put it mm-hmm. and it it has a link to of, of this story and several others so you can just click on that and it'll you can read what he was going to do with this and then later when he was going to finish it in other books, how he was going to kind of change it again. Uh, and then I think that I only read two versions, his original ending and then how he was going to change it. But, uh, you know, the Marvel did, uh, had a series of books called the end where they had one yep. for the Hulk and yeah. Fantastic and Four, he- the Punisher. Uh, I don't think, I don't remember. I don't think if they did for the other mainstream books like Avengers or X-Men, I don't remember reading or collecting those the the one they did for ff was i think written and drawn by alan davis and while the artwork is beautiful Mm -hmm. the story is pretty lackluster yes (sighs) shall i go ahead and uh yeah get the synopsis here okay do we want to do these chapter at a time read a chapter do you want to read all four and then we'll kind of discuss i I, i'm going to do all four because the, the way the synopsis i have is is the uh, it's broken up into just uh, the first three chapters and then the fourth chapter. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, because the story is so straightforward and, and it's it so short the way it does. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> let me put on my best Liam Neeson voice here. <clears throat> now Morgan Freeman, not Liam Neeson. I can't do the Morgan Freeman one very well. 100 million years into the future. <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> 100 million years into the future. The stars and planets mysteriously begin to either disappear or explode as cosmic forces shifted the galaxy out of their ordinary alignment within the endless cosmos. Searching for a planet to sate the hunger of Galactus, Nova witnessed the destruction of a planet whose life forms were suddenly whisked away in the middle of creating fleets of ships to fly to safety. She fled the dying planet and met up with Galactus to inform him of the strange series of events. A worried Galactus discussed with Nova that all the galaxies in the universe were dying, beginning from his point of origin to the center of the universe and ending at the Milky Way galaxy. Galactus decides to seek answers in the Milky Way 
and sent Nova off to the planet Earth to wait for him there. Having traveled to Earth, Nova discovers that the planet had dramatically changed and the land masses had altered due to 100 million years of evolution, tectonics, and other planetary changes. She discovered all that was left of the human race was a robot she nicknamed Shakespeare, who was unaware of what had befallen the people of Earth. Shakespeare showed Nova the last standing Earth city now totally devoid of life. Galactus arrived on Earth and felt great sorrow for the humans he once called friends. But now free of the vow not to destroy it, he rescinds the ancient deal and announces his intention to feed on it. And that's it. I thought that was pretty straightforward. It is. It's, well, the story's pretty straightforward. It, it, it's, yes. It has a lot of... He plays a lot with his kind of flowery language of describing the universe and because there's not a lot of dialogue. So he has to kind right. of give us this really almost mimicking the Shakespearean dialogue he gives to the robot of his description of the vastness of space and these desecra desecrated planets. And, and it's, it's, it's sometimes Byrne can get a little too far when he's doing that kind mm -hmm. of work, but this is actually pretty well done. I think it's, it's, it's beautifully done. You get a sense of, of uh, kind of nothingness and, and how, vast and how big the scope of this story is that you get when Nova's uh, flying around and the the artwork is is just absolutely beautiful yeah and again this is Terry Austin inking burn several years after the you know four or five years after their run on the X-Men and you can see that both their styles had evolved slightly enough that it, it doesn't look anything like the work on the uh, the X-Men it looks a little and more we're, organic. We're, it's not quite as sharp and crisp. It's got a little more of a, uh, a roundness to it. Um, mm -hmm. And and then the coloring by uh, uh, it's Glennis Wayne is beautiful too because it's not standard for color. You've got a very it's got a very watercolor look to it. Now, were you guys aware previously of the speaker stones? Because I was not. I had not, uh, and that was what she ran into. It looked like she ran into somebody's old time home stereo system, uh, <laughs> well, or, or, or a TV bank or something. Well, it reminded me of Have you ever seen George Powell's nineteen sixty Time Machine? Yes. Right yes. yes. When he he goes mm -hmm. and has the rings and he spins them. Yes. And they're that's what that's that's what it reminded me of. Right. Those are your uh, CDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But uh, let's, uh, I think let's just, just start at the beginning here and go through these because, it's, you know, it's not, there's a lot of um, text and the artwork, it, 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 of course, is a lot of silent storytelling until we get into Nova's thoughts. Um, but, of course, the opening page, of course, is just the, the galaxies out there amongst the universe and then closing in on them. And it really makes the universe look small, doesn't it? That very first page. And I never did give the credits. Yeah, written in pencil by John Byrne, inked by Terry Austin, lettered by Jim Novak, and colored by Glennis Wine. Now, was it Archie Goodwin that was editing these? I think so. Well, I'll follow up on yeah, that. Yeah, I think he took over uh, doing Epic when the guy that kind of started it left or was fired. But I think Archie came in. And, I mean, when you first see Nova come on to the come on to there you, you know the the thing is is like frankie ray when she appeared in the ff books especially when burn drew her she had this glow is uh, for for lack of a better words 
of mm-hmm. she was just a woman, you know. And when I see Nova, I don't. I mean, you know, obviously she glows, but it's a different kind of glow. <laughs> And all of that, you know, and, and uh, the, for lack of better words, sexuality that she had as Frankie Ray, it, it doesn't, I mean, you see a, a very fine woman here, but there's none of that that, uh, that that glows out from it. She is beyond that in, in, in the character that she is and beyond such, you know, thoughts and feelings, I think, as well. Yeah, she's, so, not, she's not fetishized in this, if that's... Right, exactly, exactly. Whereas Frankie Ray, I think, was. I like how with when he, I mean, first of all, when he converted Frankie Ray and took her off the table into the, I, I was not happy. <laughs> I wasn't either. Huh? I didn't see it coming. Back in the FF series? Yeah, no, I was, yeah, no, that was like, what? I mean, that was an epic story, but I was just like, you gotta be, because I liked Frankie and I liked the character and I liked what she was doing with learning and that that tie to the human torch and i i just that whole thing was cool Uh, but later the the way that he took care of her and the way that she developed i really like this character nova and i i think that um he really turned her into a silver surfer style character i i agree i think she has the most probably developed personality outside of the silver surfer yeah, and and you know before I I you know I, I don't want to have to walk back over something I said. I was talking about how she was above and beyond such things back in the Fantastic Four in the day, um, when around the time that I think she brought the Galactus to the Scroll Throne World, uh, Nova had, was even saying inside her head she still had the human vestiges in her mm-hmm. that she was in love with Galactus, mm-hmm. and uh, again you know th- there's. Obviously, their relationship, you know, is different than you know what we think of in the the realm of love and uh, any kind of attraction or anything. So I, you know, like I don't want to sit there and step one over the other on that. I'm not trying to do that. He's the first female, first female Harold, right? Well, Well, we've seen, I think, that we've seen. Yeah. Right. Okay. And again, I don't think Galactus thinks in male or female. You know. Right. Right. And I don't think that her love of him was like romantic or anything that we, nope, I think she nope. was totally in love with being in the stars. Cause the one thing that I remember about her when she made her choice was what does that compare to being able to go out there? She loved being amongst the cosmos. And I think when, when he elevates his mortals to his herald status, they get, they get a piece of, connection to that cosmic energy that that being that burn established that galactus is he's as part of the part of the cosmos and necessary to the cosmos as anything else so it's really cool how all that ties in together uh with her character i think that's Mm -hmm. what also makes her a kindred spirit to the silver surfer because that was Mm -hmm. his love of just being amongst the stars and just being kind of a, a free spirit out there. And that's, I think with her, it's even more because did she they ever say, and did they ever say how long Norrin Rad was the silver surfer before he came across the fantastic four? I don't know. It's, I'd be, I think it was to be, I think he was a herald for a pretty long time, but I don't know how advanced, um, his planet was before 
Galactus showed up, I would think. And, and wasn't even Shala Balls? Was it, was it, now, is it Shala Ball? Is that the planet or is that his wife? That's his girlfriend. That's, that's his, girlfriend. his wife. Girlfriend. His girlfriend. But now, was she still alive when, when the surfer was freed from Galactus's uh, hold on I him? I think she was. Yeah, but, he, so, you know, so, in a so, lot of his series, he made, he was able to make trips back to, um, his planet and Zenla, 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 yeah. yeah. So she was still there. Some people were still there. So, you know, it was within a period of the lifetime. Yeah, we, we don't know how. Well, it, right. If you think about it, because it, originally, when Galactus, I think, was first created, he had to feed every one hundred years, and then it eventually became every year he had to feed. So, mm -hmm. uh, maybe we don't know what the lifespan is of uh, Nora Red's. Uh, you know, original species. Maybe they're very long lived, but well, think um, about this. So this story takes place 100 million years into the future. All right. And I mean, when you sit there and you think about it, I mean, obviously as far as humans are concerned, that is an unfathomable amount of time. And yet Frankie Ray is his herald that entire time. So she's conceivably been his herald longer than any other herald, herald. ever. Well, that's why I wanted, uh, I had my notes, I wanted her to be a little less human, because mm -hmm. she, you know, it's been all this time, and she's been uh, probably without contact of any other kind of sentient being other than Galactus, and it's not like they sit down and have, you know, chit-chats. Uh, I, I, I wanted her to be a little more like, you know how the surfer was when you first meeting, he was disconnected, and withdrawn, yeah. and he was cold. Yeah, uh, and I wanted her to be more like that. I mean, she kind of, and and through the course of this story, she could have kind of rediscovered her humanity that she hasn't really been in touch with for a hundred million years. But uh, when she meets the robot uh, on Earth and with the, the Shakespeare robot, I wanted her to be a little more disconnected and then kind of slowly uh, come back to it because she's yeah, visiting like her she, home planet. It's just like she opened a door in her head to access all that and it comes back and she's uh -huh. you know yeah it would have been good but it she's seems like, like where's that shawarma shop you know <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that one on 32nd street man that was good uh but you know when they first had her out we, uh in the early part i mean of course at that point i was unable to get a lot of following a lot of stuff because i was overseas but um, I think the Hercules miniseries, she would like power down and still look human. And so they didn't really develop that cold detached from humanity for uh, right away anyway. Um, as far yeah. as I know, I don't know how the character. No, and, and, I mean, you really think about it. What she did in Fantastic Four as the Herald of Galactus leading him to the Skrull throne world. That was an emotional uh, reaction and you know, she did that on purpose. It, well, it was, it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> she she did that because these guys are you know right jackals as far as she was concerned. Yeah. But didn't he didn't he dismiss her at one point because she was purposely not he she was either not taking him to places kind of the same way he did with the Silver Surfer. She was not leading him to planets that. He either had uh, intelligent life or she was kind of disobeying him. And I think at one point she, he dismissed her and I don't know who the, who the replacement, um, the replacement Herald was, but I was do that know. Like Steve Englehart writing that was that, was that in the silver surfer book? I don't know if it was in that book. 
Because uh, it sounds like it, it doesn't sound like, and, and and I'll just say this like this: it doesn't sound like good writing of her based on what we already knew of her. Right. Right. You know, and that that's I mean I think that's the thing of that they tried to I think with the Silver Surfer that he was. I mean I think if think about it, if you're suddenly given even just a fraction of Galactus's power and you've got the power cosmic, then suddenly you're, I think you're elevated. You're, it's going to be the way, the way they wrote Dr. Manhattan and Watchmen. Mm -hmm. Suddenly he was, he wasn't connected to humanity because he was above it. He was, you know, it was like trying to relate to, uh, an insect or something. So I think that fraction of infinity is still infinity. Exactly. So that you're suddenly, uh, you can't, deal with uh, a more emotional lesser being because you're suddenly elevated to this almost godlike uh, power level so i think that would suddenly you, that switch would kind of flip if you were suddenly uh, given this kind of power you would you would suddenly you would see more you would be aware of the, of the vast cosmos and i think that's why you kind of get detached from your original uh, be, your original being but uh and now i don't know where i was going with that I totally lost my track of thought. Well, I, um, I'm just sitting there trying to find information on the the speaker stones um, in Marvel history, and unfortunately, you type stones and you get a, a billion hits on the Infinity, Infinity Stones. Stone. <laughs> so it's yeah, I'm not getting. Uh, well, it may a, be a something. It may just be a, a burn creation or something that. Uh, uh, maybe it's one of those kind of things that just kind of perpetuates yeah. itself through you know classic sci-fi. Before we do the device. second half of this, I'm going to uh, definitely do my research on these uh, to see if I can find more information on them. Because that, that, I, I firmly believe that, that that's steep somewhere in Kirby. Though, again, looking at these, they don't have the typical Kirby look to them in, in anywhere that Byrne has you know, drawn these things. It actually looks like a broken bank of TVs that you'd see in a department store in the 80s. <laughs> I don't Half remember hearing steals. them before. I uh, I think it's just a plot device that that Byrne introduced. Now looking looking at the story, once she gets down to that that first planet and she comes across the speaker stones and uh, looks at everything else that's going on, you see these cities and stuff. It almost looks like Byrne is eschewing. Kirby style art and more looking towards Mobius, and that may you know be you know the fact that he is he is working in Epic Illustrated, which is very much like heavy metal, where mm -hmm. Mobius cut some of his teeth on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I find more in common with that until we get to Galactus himself, and then you see the Kirby, the Kirby tech and all that come out. But yeah, I, I can see the the Mobius. I think it's with the coloring. The coloring is very. It's yes. almost uh, yellow submarine like. It's very mm -hmm. trippy, uh, and these aliens reminded me a little bit of the uh, the aliens from Nth Degree on Next Gen, where they don't ever they don't leave their planet, but they explore by reaching out. So that's what it sounds like these aliens. You know, they they when they kind of unlock their mind, kind of like the Krell, they except they didn't destroy themselves. They I really enjoyed that episode. <laughs> I That's know it's, it's a great, it's a great, Thursday. it's a great Barkley episode. <laughs> but they reached out and explored with their minds. They never left their planet. But they reached out, and then I guess that's when they found this horrible uh, secret that 
drove them all to suddenly flip out and said, we got to build, you know, every spaceship we can. But for some reason, they all got summoned away before they even took one off the planet. That's the, the bizarre thing. You sit there and you make millions of ships. Wouldn't you have the first, you know, flight of them take off? I Instead guess they were gonna, they were, everybody was going to leave at one time, I guess. But it yeah, says uh, they they were Exodus. Yeah, trying to salvage all. They ran out of time and salvaged nothing. Um, so this is just a mystery that Burn is laying at our feet. You know, he's, it's like, what is happening? And Nova's kind of investigating it. And even Galactus is, uh, he's puzzled because he can't figure out what's going on. And his scanners show that they've been a, uh, a, a, like a, a it's, it's like Doomsday. I keep bringing it back to Star Trek. Like in Doomsday Machine, when they're following all the shattered uh, solar systems till they meet up mm -hmm. with the Doomsday Machine. So he's seeing all these shattered universes. Or is it galaxies? Shattered galaxies. And he doesn't know, so now he's got a mystery as to what's going on. And 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 it's not like Galactus I don't, doesn't strike me as being to say a curious guy, but I wonder if he is just one. It's beyond his comprehension, so maybe he needs to know what it is. Or it, does he feel this is maybe uh, something that could threaten him and threaten his power? And, I think that that it sparked a little bit of curiosity in him. I mean. <laughs> the thing is, is that when you're living a life like Galactus, and that's basically, you know, always checking on your next meal, life becomes like an assembly line where you just basically go from place, you, know, you go to one place, you do your bit, you move on. Well, and all of a sudden here, everything is different. I mean, basically the meal ticket's going away. Well, that, so, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, threatening, it's threatening his, uh, because Galactus is, is a, a pretty typical tragic figure he doesn't necessarily mm -hmm. he doesn't necessarily feel remorse for what he does because he's above that but he knows he he can't like he can't self-terminate but he knows that uh and he feels tortured in the fact that he has to continually to you know his hunger builds and he has to consume planets but he knows that there is he's here for a reason like superman yeah. he's here for a reason he just doesn't understand what but um, he knows that whatever that reason is, that it's important. Some, at some point, someplace, he is going to matter in the the scheme of the universe. Right. That's why he and has so, to. He has to keep going. And that's but that's going to make him curious about anything that's out of the the ordinary. I guess that's true. Well, he does get very when she comes back, and you know, he's he when he reaches Earth, and she says basically everybody's gone. You know, there's no life forms there, and he says, well. You know, I can now, I can now consume the planet because my oath doesn't mean anything anymore. He's very melancholy. He's, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure. I'll, I, I, I like Mike Galactus a little more cold, but he gets a little. You know, he, he. I think the first time he would refer to the some of the superheroes that he came to on his level as understanding what friendship is. That he and, and I, you know, I guess that's mostly Reed Richards, but he gets a little sad. He seems a little down. That. That they, you know, he might have had a friend at one time, and they're gone, and now he's like, "Well, I guess I'm just gonna have to eat the earth." I agree with that. That's dinner, a pretty good summary. Dinner is served. That's right. That's <laughs> one big Twinkie. <laughs> well, also, I, I thought that, of course, this this can't be. It's not retcon, but they. Uh, this was an eighty. Okay, so the last one came out in eighty six. Well, in the Silver Surfer, 
75, Nova is killed. So that, that says, well, this puts this as an imaginary tale. Because how can yeah. she be still his herald uh, 100 million years in the future if she's killed off by um, Morg? One of his, one of his uh, former heralds killed her. And I guess she stayed dead in the comics. But uh. I was looking at her entry, and I think someone dabbled in with the clone theory, revitalizing her, p placing a piece of her spirit into this other body, whether mm -hmm. it was a clone or not. It's convoluted. They're, Marvel got a little carried away with its clone action there. It's kind of <laughs> like, oh, please. Do you think? <laughs> Everyone's a clone now. Or or a scroll imposter now. Well, you always get the sense that uh, Nova was maybe, for you know, as unemotional as Galactus is, she was possibly his most cherished herald. Maybe next to the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. And I don't, it's kind of, almost like a fatherly kind of relationship that he's got mm -hmm. with her. So. What 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 did you think of of Lit Rob or what what Nova referred to as Shakespeare? The the literature robot that uh, she came across. Have we seen this type of character in Burn stuff before? It seems very familiar to me, um, and I just can't wrap my head around you know after thirty five years where I might have seen something similar to this. Was it maybe maybe it was in his um, Rock 2000 or... Um, Doomsday Plus One. Yeah, probably, Doomsday. you know, in there. But, you know, nothing that, that had as big uh, a piece in the story as this does. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, this is, you know, basically your minstrel, your bard, your whatever that's going to come in and narrate certain aspects of the story. Um the watcher and and <laughs> as much as we've we've you know she calls it shakespeare it's almost like he's hitting us over the head with please think of your shakespeare when you're thinking of this story and try to find you know which which story it's going to uh, align with for you and you probably find that there are several different shakespearean stories that this could uh, relate to um but and, and and i'll go more into that when we cover the final pieces of this uh, down the road. But, now, before uh, we get too far away from it, when um, I'm just stepping back a little bit to um, Nova leading Galactus to um, the Scroll Homeworld, and I guess maybe we could cover this when we cover the trial or something. But man, who was shocked by that? I was. I was like, I what? Was. <laughs> that was something else. I didn't think that was going to be permanent. I thought that was going to be an illusion or. That was going to be changed. It caught well, me off guard. I mean, and the thing that most people, you know, a lot of people thought that when Galactus ate the Scroll Throne World, that that was it for the Scrolls. Not really been. seen. Well, no, they were an empire. I mean, that's their home world, their throne world. But not every Scroll lived there. And we found, you know, through you know all the things that went on afterwards. In fact, you know, Tim and I uh, started a crossover with the uh, Back to the Bins guys. Um, where we, we did a, a two episode crossover with them covering Avengers annual and Fantastic Four angels, uh, annuals that intersected. Those took place after the Scroll Throne World was destroyed, and it was a Scroll centric story. Yeah, because so, it, it threw it threw the Empire in kind of a, a civil disarray. war. Yeah, where yeah. every but it, it's the same 
you see the same thing they do uh, on, on Trek a lot. Well, they used they would do it with uh, they did it on uh, Picard where the Romulan homeworld was destroyed, and they act like okay, well that's that's it. Like, well, no, they're an empire. They've got hundreds of planets that they've colonized. Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 Washington D.C. was vaporized, the the United States would just collapse. Like, no, we've got lots of other space and lots of other people. So. And our Secretary of Agriculture would probably be our president. Or yeah. Secretary, uh, I don't know who those probably Secre- not hanging the Secretary around. of Education. There you go. <laughs> yep. But uh, in in all that, and where was my mind going? And I got completely derailed now with that little yeah, analogy. I, I derailed you when we got to the page uh, with Galactus standing there. Man, how impressive. Wow. Oh, I think what's more impressive is that shot of, of Nova sitting on the, the log on Chapter 4. When the she first she first sees the the robot coming out of the the grass or the weeds or whatever it is, mm-hmm. that's a that's a pretty gorgeous piece of work with her, you know. And he doesn't like your point. He doesn't really sexualize her. You think that she's basically this is a new woman sitting here, but he doesn't. You don't get that vibe when you're reading it. Right, right. And now her flame uh, around her head though is a lot larger and more you know. Uh, it's just uh, stronger than it was in the previous iterations, isn't it? But it seems a little softer. It seems a little softer. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be raging as when she's right. flying through space. It seems a little softer because she's kind of, I guess, relaxed. And when she meets up with uh, the, the Litbot, which I thought was just odd. I thought, well, what really, what's the point of this character in this story other than to give her someone to interact with and for Burn to get a little you know, fancy with his prose, but as to what happened. Somebody on the highway? Yeah, is someone on a highway? What is No, uh, there's a lawnmower <laughs> guy outside my oh. window. <laughs> so what? So Brian's being hauled away. It's um, the enemy ace from the silent Christmas story <laughs> flying in to give Brian a, a little hello. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I I hired Ramiro, our lawn guy, to come in and do a final run over the lawn and cut down some trees. Uh, his his wife had a little girl not too long ago, so we're uh, you know just trying to make sure they got a, a little got... bit of money here for the holidays. Oh, Maybe you could suggest that they name her Frankie. Yeah. Oh no, she's already been been named. Frankie her, or Nova. Name is... Frankie Nova. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I agree with you, Tim, about his his drawings of Nova. I mean, they are really, really nice in this. Mm-hmm. Even the ones in space, uh, whenever he shows her flying, the close-ups, wow. the It's just really phenomenal. I, he, I don't know what he... He really went... It seems like he really pulled out some stops on this particular story. So he must have really cared about this for some reason because I, I just think the artwork is really spectacular. Mm. It is, and it may be that he wasn't uh, one. He may have had more time if these came in every, you know, two months. That he had, he had more time to. Uh, to work and it's on the only art. six pages a chapter. Exactly, it's almost like he's I, doing. This. I think based on how it was done, he worked with a larger page, for one. Um. And for two, I almost get the sense, especially on chapter four, the first page where she's sitting on the log and uh, Shakespeare comes up behind her, that he actually had a model 
He actually had someone there as a model. That does for look her. like yeah, that does like somebody modeled for it, possibly. And I mean, just but I mean, I, I he understood, you know, Byrne understood the the grandiose size of the story, the scale and epicness of it, that he was going to put that in every page. And I don't think that there's any page that doesn't really demonstrate that. Um, and of course, he's giving us new things, new concepts, new things we've never seen before. When you see that city that that Shakespeare takes Nova to in this chapter, you know, that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. It looks like uh, almost a bunch of eggs of different sizes and shapes just sitting in a clutch. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, it's just, you know, like like Marcus says in Raiders of Lost Heart, it's unlike anything we've ever seen. And even earlier when you were mentioning uh, when he was first going into the, or when Nova was flying over the city that destroyed cities and things like that, that didn't resemble the way that he normally does burn rubble or burn destroyed cities. Just look at X-Men 137 when we had the blue area of the moon. And if you compared mm -hmm. the two styles... You almost wouldn't even be able to think it was the same artist because it's just so it's so good and such a whole different style. It just really separates from the. Uh, it, it just really makes it stand out even better. Yeah, that that um, was it. One, two, three. The fourth page of the the, the fourth chapter when he's taking her to the city, and again we're looking at that one picture of the. What looks like a bunch of eggs in the clouds. That is so unburn-like. It's more Mobius-like than anything else that I've seen here, um, especially with the coloring that that's that's on that. Um, I just love that image. I could stare and at I think that for he hours. And I think he has. It's it is. It's the it, that the background looks very painted, and I yes. think he may be because you know we know Burn will change his art style to kind of fit, and he may be. Changing mm -hmm. it slightly to because this is a more of a uh, you know, pardon the pun, like epi a... epic story that mm -hmm. it's in this big format that he is changing it a little bit, and that maybe has to do with the fact that he has more time, or because he wanted to kind of emulate heavy metal or the kind of stories that are were in the book with it. I mean, there's he's got a little more cross hatching than he normally would have. Doesn't this look like a, a record album cover? Or something like that. Like it should be a record album cover, you know. It looks a little Roger Dean, if you're familiar with yep. the Yes albums. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. There you go. <sighs> now the the Galactus images in here, of course, they don't have the the same. I, I, I they they're just it's because of the coloring, the way the coloring is done on this. It seems to add more dimension, but it seems to take away some of the the sharpness of Galactus in that the, the colors were much more sharper in the uh, the Fantastic Four images that we've seen of them. It doesn't make them any less. It makes him more grand, I think. I think that's than, because uh, he's doing – because I guess when the colorist can do more of a uh, of uh, kind of a gradient when she's doing her inks, that's not mm -hmm. just solid blocks of color – that you get a softer tone, which I think it helps tremendous with Nova. It gives her a much softer tone, and yeah, I think it does. It gives Galactus a little more uh, dimension, especially that scene where he's kind of leaning forward. It looks like he's kind of looks like he's rubbing his eyes. 
Well, this is the grief. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I, I thought that image of Nova on that same page, this is the last page of chapter four. Um, that, that image of, of Nova, it's almost like her light is dimmed being in the presence of Galactus, you know, where it's, it's looks like molten gold rather than what yeah. she's looked, you know, appeared in, in every other image. Even her flame seems diminished in his presence. I want to ask on Galactus has two ships, doesn't he? He's got this round one. Doesn't he have the, the infinity the, one? The infinity one, and isn't that one that's the size of a solar system? Or is this his traveling ship, and the other one is his home ship? I don't. I know they've shown both. Yeah, I think that I think that's the case. But he had that one with him. Isn't that the one the Watcher sent Johnny Storm into to get the ultimate nullifier in the very first? Yes, story? that was the that was the Infinity Leap one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And you know why they sent Johnny and not Reed, right? Because Reed, Reed would spend too much time looking at everything. Yeah, he'd get distracted. <laughs> Johnny's no, Johnny's expendable. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's just that's Johnny. Probably, that's probably closer to the point. Johnny's not going to try and fathom what everything is, and Reed's going to go, "Wow, look at that galactic boom!" Okay, Earth's gone. Wait a minute, what? what? <laughs> uh, but seeing Galactus put his hand to his face as as grief, it makes me wonder why would he be so um tied to someone that he hadn't thought of for a hundred million years and the only thing i can think of here is the fact that reed made a conscious effort to truly save galactus's life and nobody else has done that over the core of his existence a couple of times reed has done that i mean uh, before the trial remember when galactus he saved Galactus's life. What was it in the early two fifties or the late two forties? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, and then uh, where Reed defended him at the at the intergalactic trial. Yeah, that's probably why um, Galactus has a different connection to this one mortal being. So, yeah. well, he also seems to have a he seems to have a connection to Earth too. He says it, it's the it's the one planet. It's just like it's the planet that got away. It's the one planet he's been trying to eat all this time, and he can't do it, and it keeps it keeps getting blocked. So uh, unrequited finally, hunger. Yeah, he goes. It was. It's, he says that time has passed, and finally I may pluck from its oh, vine oh this gosh. sweet and most tempting fruit. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's Woody Harrelson in Zombieland. <laughs> and he's I wonder. Always looking for that last twinkie? Twinkie, that next Twinkie. <laughs> Well, I wonder, is Earth like a Twinkie where it's going to stay the same forever? Or is it more like an apple where if you wait too long, it gets mushy and icky? Like, ugh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, here's the thing. I thought Galactus, well, there's there's life on Earth. It's not, I guess, not human life because he had, there's animal life. So he has to have some kind of life. He can't just, like, consume a dead planet, I don't think. It's interesting to think that intelligent life would be the one to go extinct on every planet and the, the other indigenous life would survive. Well, we still don't know what's happened to, and I haven't read ahead. I kind of, I mean, I've skimmed through it because I've never read this story. I've read the final chapter when I bought the epic issue, but I've never sat down and read this whole thing. So this is kind of new to me and I don't, I haven't really read ahead. I've flipped through it. So I kind of know how, how it comes to the cliffhanger, but we don't know yet why, to your point, all the intelligent life is just kind of because it doesn't seem like the planets are destroyed. It's just like the the, 
the uh, the sentient life is it, just whoosh gone. Well, and that's the telling point that yeah. on the other planet they had all those ships to leave, and yet it looks like they were whisked away by something else before they could actually you know make their own exodus. Yeah. So, is it possible that life is elsewhere? Could it be Unicrom? Hmm. And that is what we'll find out when we do the second half. Maybe. If we get the full story. We're going to find, well, we we find out as much as we can that we know what. We get an end. It doesn't yeah. mean we get all the answers. No. And that's, that's the thing to consider. Now, we're not going to uh, go to the <clears throat> chapters four through nine uh, in our very next episode. We have other things planned coming up over the next few weeks and months. So the follow-up to this will be somewhere down the road, just not right away. Yeah. That being said, though, I think there's a lot that you could discuss in just looking at this and how how it's covered. But the next couple chapters also have some just mind-bending, stunning art that I can't wait to discuss. And so we'll, we'll you know, see Wait when that does it's, happen. It's hard to really to talk about just the first half without talking about the ending and what would have been. It's kind of tough to kind of talk around it because otherwise you're going to spoil it. And if if nobody is, you know, you know when we put this up, we'll put, like you said, we'll put a link to it so people can, uh, they can read ahead if they want to, or they can kind of read up to this point. So they can kind of, you know, a lot of, and, and a lot of people may be like me. I've, um, I, I, you know, I said, I said I had not read this. I had known about it. It's one of the stories you've known about, but I never sat down and read it. So I'm interested in how many people may not be familiar with this. Other than the the story of, oh, it was never finished. You know, that's all I know about it. I, I know that, that my experience was as that I've got two issues of Epic from that time. And it had the story in there. And I said, well, I'm going to get all of them and then I'll read them. And I never did find them easily back then in the 80s. And it dropped off my radar. Yeah. And I so I didn't really think about it until recently. I'm sitting there saying, you know, that was one of those stories that never got finished. And I'd like to know what happened with that. I think that's part of the problem with this. One, it's labeled as the last Galactus story. And two, people that were reading the serialization were thinking the same thing. Like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do this later. And then when it didn't pay off, it slipped off their radar, and now it has this reputation as the great unfinished opus that uh, that is just sitting out there, and there's no reason to go see it or to go get it. You know what I'm saying? Well, what do you all think? I mean, I'd mentioned earlier, and I don't know if that was something I mentioned on air or off air, that you know this book, you know, when it came out, it was put in there. The story it was put in there probably to help try to save the epic storyline because. Uh, Oh, I'm As sure we know, after after you know nine chapters, unfortunately, Epic was not able to maintain, and the magazine itself was canceled. Now, John Byrne tried to get it shopped around to see if there was any other place that he could finish this, and he didn't find any avenue. Now, he probably would have, could have done it in Fantastic Four if he had stayed with the Fantastic Four, but he left after you know with things as, as they went with Jim Shooter. And then, of course, with Nova being killed in the regular storylines, and then so that that means that it, that this story couldn't have happened. Byrne basically abandoned it. But right. I mean, do you do you see any 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 other thing there? I I thought it may have been the machinations of Shooter 
that just he didn't feel that that Byrne should be the guy saying how the Marvel Universe ends. Because that's basically what this story does. It it brings yeah, him but I, the, I think the actual if, Marvel universe. If it's gonna sell, they're they're not gonna you know because they certainly when they did their own ending stories and they could easily just called it a a, a what if or elsewhere. My problem is if okay, he say he finishes this up in FF. Does he redraw all of this? Does he try to recap it? I mean, how does he sum up this these nine chapters and then finish it? One, it's not going to look the same. Right. It's not going to be as nice. And how how much backstory does he have to give to this? Or does he try to basically say, tell the readers, well, you're going to have to go and dig up those other issues and then yeah, come back I mean, here. That's, yeah, that's, that's all jarring. I can see a framing device in the back of FF, the second story or, or uh, whatever, a framing device of Reed Richards, you know, private locked security file. Um, I've determined through some of my time research, uh, space time, what have you, that uh, there's there's an incredible future uh, waiting for me, and I've decided that I'm not going to read it, but it's recorded here. Whoever finds this, recognize that I don't have the whole story, and then just you know, like a time capsule, have the the last couple of pages printed, so you have at least some form of reference. Um, it's not enough because it won't reprint those earlier chapters, but it would tell you where they, where you could go, you know, an editor's footnote of where you could go to see those earlier chapters that Reed is unaware of and never tie it into the main storyline. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that, I think that's a good way of handling it. I just wonder if how much you'd have to give a recap of all of this. I mean, you could do it pretty, I mean, you know, Brian synopsis, he kind of covered it pretty well. What you're missing out is, because uh, honestly, the story of this is this, this story is pretty cool, but the reason they come to this story is the artwork. And whether it's finished or not, if you're a Burn fan, you need to look at this because this has got some of his best work I've seen. It's just gorgeous, and you need to just you just kind of want to just kind of live in it, you know, whether you you get a satisfying mm -hmm. story or not. Does this cement Terry Austin as the very best inker of Burn's work? I think he's mind? already had that title. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a combination of the inking, his artwork, and his changing a little bit of his style, and the coloring. The coloring, if this is a black and white, I don't think it'd be nearly as good. Unless he yeah, did it in kind of a, like a, an OMAC, kind of with a wash, so that you mm -hmm. get, if it's just the pencils, I think the coloring is what really pushes this. It makes me, the, the way it's colored makes me think of the way God Loves Man Kills was also covered, colored, mm -hmm. colored. Yeah. Uh, back in that roughly that same period of time, all those yeah. big format um, books are that way. Yeah, they were Captain, all... you know, the death of Captain Marvel. Yeah, why so, couldn't it have been done like that? Why couldn't it have been one of those Mar Marvel graphic? I don't novels? know. It's, it doesn't. I mean, well, if they were trying to save Epic, I can see why right. they split it yeah. up and tried to. Yeah. They're trying to push the sales, but why wasn't it? Uh, I mean, you collected to be released. Yeah. yeah, how much would it be? Okay, so okay, we're gonna cancel Epic, and Baron obviously already had ideas what he was gonna do. Well, then just take these pages, put them in a, a bound format, have Byrne draw the last six pages, ink them, color them, and then and maybe they thought it was too soon, you'd have a, a, a collected version coming right on the heels of it finishing the, uh, the, the magazine. Well, I don't that's know. not an unusual concept for Marvel Comics to do. 
there was a time period when they had, you know, just as soon as the four-part arc was out, there was a trade, uh, right. trade paperback of, of the thing, and it was like everything was being written for the trade. And, yeah, it was Archie Goodwin who was the editor at the time. Um, man. It's frustrating to me now sitting there seeing this and seeing what could have been, and you just you want to go back and ask those guys in power why wouldn't you finish this? Why wouldn't you let this be finished? Because it sounds more like it was the egos and the 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 power structure that killed it more than I mean it obviously wasn't the story or the art. Well, yeah, it could no, be. I, I think it was the publisher. It was an an economic decision that was taken out of their hands. The axe fell, and that was the end of it. Yeah, I think it all comes down to money. It's it's if it's not going to make. I mean, obviously, Epic was going to be more expensive to produce as a magazine than uh, a regular monthly uh, comic mag. But uh, you know, eighty six, he was he was he was leaving to go to DC. Maybe he didn't have time. Maybe he didn't want to do it. Uh, maybe he had been kind of soured on Marvel then. So you know, it's just one of those things that you never get around. You know, it's it's like so many things you never get around to to finishing it. The couple times that I saw him speak at uh, the Mid-Ohio Con, which he would always attend every year, the question would always come up, you know, are you ever going to finish the last Galactus story? And he would always very quickly say, no, <laughs> next question. Yeah, you know, move on. He just He's tired of getting that question. That's why I'm not surprised to see he's got it on Burn Robotics as, you want to know, go over here. Yeah. yeah, I'm we'll not going to answer watch, that question again. We'll put a link out to another video. Mike Avila uh, from Sci-Fi Wire uh, did a series of interviews with Byrne uh, where he talked to him on a wide variety of subjects, X-Men, Superman, Elswen, and the last Galactus story. And he asks Byrne about it, asks him what happened, and asks him, would you like to finish it? How did you feel about it? Things like that. Byrne gives some very good answers. Um, it's, it's a good, uh, thing to sit there and, and look at after listening to us talk about this so that maybe you can get some perspective on, on Burns opinions on it. It's, 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 it's helpful. And it also gives just a slight glimmer of hope towards some, you know, seeing an end to this done by Burns hand in the future, a small glimmer of hope, but there's still a glimmer of hope. Well, if he's doing else when. Um, he could just as easily motivate himself and decide that he is going to do if, this. If he's willing to scratch the itch, but he's going to need something from someone else, and that's the key. Right. He's going to need he's going to need somebody in the comics world to sit there and say, "Yes, we can do this." Whether it's IDW or Marvel or both, or even Terry Austin, to to come forth and say, "I'll participate," and that's you know that right there is going to be the hardest stone to turn over. Is well, the Austin, other thing is, yeah, uh -huh. go ahead. As, as say I say, because I'm not reading current comics, is Austin still working? Is he still inking anything? Has he got any books? See. I do not know, because I, I think that if he was retired, then we'd be seeing some of this stuff coming out. Um, His career has probably morphed into other areas. Um, he's a heck of a nice guy. I got to speak with him and interview him once. Um, and the general point that I was going to make is that Byrne may be active and able to draw, 
I don't know that everybody has the stamina and that their artistic skills are still viable as they get older. So we may think that, oh yeah, Byrne can just knock this off if he wants. I can't speak for Austin if he still has the skills. You know well, what I'm I don't saying? see I don't Not see everybody. standard inking from Austin since 2014 where he worked with Archie Comics. Hmm. And um he did some DC and Marvel right around 2010-2012. X-Men Forever, DC Retroactive Green Lantern in the 90s. I never but, got to um, never got to meet the man. I just never come to a con here. And he seems like, like a nice guy. He yeah, is. being an anchor, I think, is is a very tough position because, number one, you always get into that um, uh, chasing Amy conversation, you know, of the tracer. And that's not something that I think any of us would do. But a lot of people just have that misconception of what an anchor does. You, like, draw this or something? I ain't kidding, I'm also the colorist. The guy next to me draws it, but we both came up with the characters. Next. Does that mean you ink it? Well, it means that Holden draws the pictures in pencil, and then he gives it to me to go over and ink. Next. So basically, you just trace. It's, uh, it's not tracing, all right? I add depth and shading to give the image more definition. Only then does the drawing truly take shape. No, 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 no. You go over what he draws with a pen, all right? That's tracing. Not really. Next. And doesn't understand it. And the first thing that you think of when you think of an inker is what artist that they worked on. Whether it's Rubenstein or Terry Austin or Carl Kessel or any of these guys, all you're doing is you're equating them to the people that they worked with. What was it like working with John Byrne? Don't you want, you know, it's almost like you want to try and find a way of bringing the conversation to them without sitting there talking about the guys that overshadowed them. Well, they're, yeah, you usually don't see them at cons by themselves unless they're paired up with, like, when we saw Zek and Beatty, you know, because those mm -hmm. two guys work together, so you, you're kind of like a pair. Um, Beatty really looked like he was enjoying himself and all that because yeah. he, he got he got treated as much as one of the creators as anyone else did in, in, in that. And, yeah, I really enjoyed that, seeing him that, like that. And Joe Rubenstein, of course, you know, he is very prolific even today, and he's putting stuff out on his website. He's going back and, and inking other things to show you think what how he would have handled things. And uh, I've it, seen some know, of him, uh, some of his posts where he's released some stuff that he's inked. It's it's, it's really cool to see, and I'm, I'm glad to see that he uh, is interacting with the Facebook groups and the people directly. I mean, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Fabian Nicienza, he's active in a couple of groups and he actually chats back with people. And um, overall, he's pretty pleasant. It's when some of the fans get kind of nerd jerk fanboy and, you know, like, oh, Nicienza was the worst writer ever. He's like, um, hello, I'm in this group. <laughs> you know, it's like, geez, you, you know, and that's funny because, you know, Rob Liefeld gets a lot of shade all over the place. Yeah, he and does. Yet there he is in the Facebook groups and he's very active in burn victims. And so you can usually strike up a conversation with them. And he, the guy is so approachable. It's 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 interesting. He's uh, I, you know, you can say what you want about his artwork. But as far as the guy is concerned, I find him uh, engaging. Personable, yeah. He seems to have mellowed. I think he had. He seemed like he had a huge ego when he was kind of riding high, but he seems to have um, kind of 
settled down a little bit so he's a little more, you said, approachable. Well, you know, he did respond to us on the uh, the Dark Phoenix saga, you know, and I didn't ask him directly. I, di- I didn't go to him and say, hey, I'd like your, your thoughts here. I just threw it out to everybody, and he was the first person to respond and, 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 and tell me that. I was just you know, really caught off guard with that and pleased. Oh, cool. Yeah. And um, I you, okay, I'll, I get an email from him every now and then, but it's more like um, the, half the time it feels like marketing, half the time it feels like, you know, cool stuff. So, it, you know, like he'll shoot something. It's not like I get, you know, someone's marketing email um, like like I do for other things all the time. It's like there's a concerted effort to sit there and say, no, he might find this cool and I'll get something like that. So uh, I don't know what that means, if that means anything. But, uh, He's constantly asking your opinion on feet. <laughs> Nobody okay. asks my opinion on feet, and I've got a very strong There's a good reason for that, too. It's between him and Tarantino, right? No, as a diabetic, I've got strong <laughs> opinions about feet, or at least my own feet. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, what we're, what we're talking about here, though, is that these guys, these artists, these writers, these creators that we've been watching for years, first of all, they're human. Um, we don't think that way when it comes to Byrne because he's so different from uh, other people and different from other artists in just how he does things. And you know, I've tied it uh, in, in ways to his self-diagnosis of Asperger's. But, uh, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, that makes him who he is and it allowed him to do what he did with uh, incredible speed and, um, I mean, obviously, you know, focus. Well, he's got a big personality, and a lot of these creators don't. Some do, and some don't. They're just, they do their job, and they're quiet, and you don't hear a lot. But Byrne is, you know, he's outspoken, and he's got, you know, reputation, deserved or not, that follows him. And he's just got a, you know, he's a big presence. So Mm -hmm. he's going to stand out more than some of these other creators are. Yeah, you know, something came up in the discussion I had out in the regular world. We're talking about comic book creators for the age. And we talked about, would John Byrne's work, if it came out today, would it have been picked up as strongly as it was back then? And most of the younger people, when they look at his work, they they just don't relate to it like they do the common work, the, the current work that's coming out. It's not, it's not for them, they say. And that's I don't true. know if it's just because his rock work and roll. Is older. That's true in all sorts of fields, rock and roll, what have you. It's whatever's coming out when you're like ten to twelve to thirteen years old. That's the epitome for you. Whoever your hot artist where characters are during that window of development, that's what a person generally is just thrilled about. Well, I think the current comics, he would almost be, uh, he doesn't have enough of uh, a very distinct style. I mean, his he does, but if you look at current comics, the, the artists working today seem to be so uh, entrenched in their own very unique style and... It's the artwork is very stylized, and it is no there's like the house style is kind of out the window. It's it's like you know I want to put my distinctive stamp on what I'm drawing, and Byrne, mm-hmm. not let's say he plays it safe, but he stays within that. This is kind of how comic books looked, 
and how they should look. Right, and I think that is, um, and I don't. I kind of curious about how his stuff, if it was done now with the way they kind of overproduce the colors because of all the the uh, digital printing. Yeah, how his stuff would hold up. Hmm. Kind of, you know, and, and I, I had trouble with some of that early 2000s, especially when he was working on Spider-Man. The way some of that stuff was produced did not look good. And it wasn't, I don't think it was the fault of the art. Though there were steps that he took in the art where he was updating characters I didn't much care for. But, I, yeah, the, the, the processes that, that they've been using in the 90s, in the 2000s, and, and recently you know, lend themselves to a completely different type of style. And does his style translate as well in that? Now, that being said, you pick up a current trade paperback of the Dark Phoenix saga, the Days of Future Past, and you look at those and they're timeless. Yeah. Everything uh, everything today uh, seems to be like everything's auto-tuned. Yeah, uh, that's a really that's a really good analogy there. I like that, and but you know I, I I think that some of the books that are being reprinted today could use a go over with uh you know with some editing, some different coloring, um, and it, you might see something interesting. But at the same time, you could also wind up with a um, Star Wars special edition gaff. Yeah. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That being said, I think that we've uh, pretty we, much done done this one pretty well. Yeah, for what we could cover, I think we've done a pretty good job. And uh, let's do you guys want to discuss what we have coming up uh, here within the next two weeks? Does anybody remember? Do, well, do we have anything firm? As to what well, we're doing? I, I think what, what our next episode, which would be in two weeks, was supposed to be as kind of a bring in the new year thing, is burnout. And it's going to be more of a, I don't want to even call it like a top five because, you know, I think each one of us probably want to grab one, uh, one subject or another of a book that Byrne had been on and talk about how the books survived after Byrne, Byrne left. We can call it Afterburn or Burnout. Okay. And uh, we... Okay, so afterburn, and so uh, when we're off air, we'll discover, we'll discuss who's going to do what. But uh, you know, you guys, you know, you can pick the ones that you're very familiar with, or if you want to go to something that you hadn't touched before, to uh, to cover it, and then when we can all sit there and discuss them uh, when we get back together. Sounds good. That'll be our post Christmas show. Mm-hmm. And speaking all of the that, toys one... will be unwrapped. All the all the. <laughs> The bows and the wrapping paper will be all over the place, and we will all be in post-holiday depression. So it'll be a really good, <laughs> good uh, thematic theme. Well, we'll, right. be, we'll be in 2021 then. Let's hope 2021 starts out better than 2020. Actually, 2021 bad. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I hear Colonel Potter sitting there talking, like, like uh, you know, let's say goodbye to the old year and say hello to the new year. May she be a damn sight better than the last one. <laughs> No joke. Now, before before we go, uh, John and Kurt, do you guys have any final thoughts or things to say about uh, what we've covered so far in the last Galactus story? No. I, I don't know what else to say. It's beautiful. And I wish it would be collected uh, or reprinted in a Finished. format that will do it justice. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Agree. 
Yeah. Tim, you have any last thoughts, concerns, or uh, any recipes you're going to try soon? Or no, what well, we did we uh, yesterday we were at uh, a Goodwill and we bought a fondue pot. So we had fondue last night, mm-hmm. uh, and we bought. And the week before that, we bought uh, at a garage sale. We bought a ice cream maker. So we were making our own wow. low carb ice cream. Living high on the hog in L.A. <laughs> no, in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I won't ever make ice cream again. Um, went back in my college days, I worked for Dillard's, and I had to make ice cream every summer because um, we Dill- had ice cream machines, you know. For Dillard's? Um, the, the clothing Dillard's. store? The clothing store? It's a department store. They had a yeah. houseware section. They had a bridal section. So I worked in housewares. I worked in bridal. I was a bridal consultant, which was an incredibly depressing job because beautiful women would come up to me every day and tell me they're getting married to somebody else. <laughs> but, you know, in, in that time, I learned a lot of things. I learned how to cook a great many things. I learned that I love the smell of coffee, but hate the taste. Oh, I'm right I learned how you. to make I learned how to make crystal sing with my fingers and I learned that if you take one of those large crystal decorative bowls that you put the marbles and all the other stuff in, that if you do the same thing to that that you do with the glasses, not only will it sing in an incredible bass vibrato, it'll shatter and the marbles will go everywhere. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was that was a fun job, and I did that for several years while I was going to college. Huh. Um and like I said, every summer we would make ice cream. Every fall we would make bread and and other things. You know, it was it was uh, interesting. And I had created the most incredibly wonderful eclectic set of cookware you could imagine, from cast iron to Caffalon to La Crusade. And you know, it got basically ravaged when I got divorced. So uh, yeah, that's the one thing I resent from my ex-wife. She took my cookware. She took all your cookware. Um, yeah, but I got good stuff now, so I'm 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 much happier and more well adjusted. Okay. Brian Hughes, bridal consultant. That's right. Brian I, Hughes. I was say yes I to was. the dress. Great ring. I was Great very ring. good. I could sit there and match your 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 china with your flatware and crystal and everything, and I wasn't gay. So um and, and John, please don't take that as anything. I mean it's just it's a stereotype, you know? Somehow I broke that. John? All right, let's wrap John? this up. <laughs> John? <laughs> okay. <laughs> John just quit the podcast. If if oh. you say if you say if you s- want to s- try to delude yourself, Brian, that's okay. You know, yeah, wait, the, wait, spectrum, wait, wait. the spectrum wait, wait, is broad, and it's okay. Off. We're in a whole new spectrum <clears throat> place. Just come, be yourself. It's all right, Brian. You yeah. don't have to hide it anymore. Where are you on the Kinsey scale, Brian? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. Unless, unless you, is that the, that Liam Neeson series? I didn't watch it. It wasn't a series. It was, it was a movie. Yeah. A movie, yeah. And a good one, too. Yeah. No, I think, I think uh, I just want to wish everybody, because this is going to come out, this is going to kind of be our Christmas episode, even though it's not Christmas-themed. And just wish everybody, a, you know, however you celebrate Christmas or this holiday, I want you to, you know, be safe. You know, you know, be... Gather as much as you can, but don't go crazy. We don't want any uh, big super spreader uh, events. Uh, just be safe and have a, everybody has a happy holiday. And next year we come out of this and we get back to normal. Mm-hmm. We want feedback, though. We need feedback. We, 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 we crave feedback, even if it is to tell us that you know we were wrong or 
I'm closeted or you know something else that's that's you, know, you just wouldn't think anywhere else. Brian, uh, write us at, uh, yeah, gotta get burned at gmail.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really, really need some new reviews out there. All the ones we have are a little old, and I mean, there's several of them out there, but we, we need more five star reviews. It gets yeah. us noticed. I would really be interested as to how many of our listeners. We're not we're not familiar with this story, or had never read it. Maybe they were just aware of it, but had not uh, searched. You know, it's kind of hard to find. So, um, hopefully, if we put that link up, more people can visit it, and this can be we can kind of spread the spread the uh, the love for this story. Oh, spreading some Christmas cheer about a mythical character that everybody talks about, worries about coming to visit them, but in, you know, of course, instead of you know leaving toys, he eats the planet. Does that make Nova the reindeer? It makes her Rudolph. Oh, <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, and also, <clears throat> feel free to leave your thoughts, concerns, and opinions on the Facebook page that we have for Third Degree Burn. We really would like to hear what you think and tell your friends about, the, yeah, about we're, us. Uh, our membership is growing. Invite to our we're... Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps growing. And so, Because if, if we get some good responses, we will read them on air. It's true. And yeah. And we're up so, to suggestions too. So uh, whatever, you know, any, any kind of contact, you know, we, we, we you, crave yeah, human what contact. Want us to, what do you want us to cover in 2021? Because, you know, we, we haven't decided, have we decided on a theme? Do we have a theme for 2021? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Let's Remember, just get past this crap. Yeah, and... let's just, let's get over this. Let's get, let's get over this. <laughs> well, let's get back to normal. Back to normal. That's the theme. Uh, how many virus books did did burn actually? You know, I I actually have a resolution though on third degree burn. One thing for us to cover next year that we have not covered in all the five years that we've been doing this, and that is next men. We haven't. We've kind of stayed away from that. Funny, funny as it is, but yeah, we need and, to dip our and, toe in that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I have a an interesting thought of a parallel, a, con, a comparison and contrast, if you will, with another properties that. Uh, I don't know that if it borrowed from Next Men, but uh, there's definitely you know some some common things in there. But we'll discuss that when we actually discuss the Next Men. Uh, if there's nothing else from anybody else, I will go ahead and sign us out. Take us out. Uh, thank you so much for uh, listening in on our latest episode of Third Degree Burn. Sometime in the near future, though not directly right away, we will do a follow-up to this episode where we'll complete... The what is available of the last Galactus story, and we will also uh, reveal uh, John Byrne's uh, considered endings to the story. For Third Degree Burn, my name is Brian Hughes. You're joined here by my good friend, Tim Elliott. Good night. John Hyatt. So long. And Fiedelbaum. Excuse me, <laughs> Kurt Greenfield. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Adios. It is known by many names. My people called it Galactus, the devourer of worlds. It must feed on energy to survive. Take joy in the last few hours you have left, for he is nearly here. This planet contains all the energy I need to sustain me. I shall drain it. There are billions of living beings on this earth. Their fate can be no concern of Galactus. I can't believe.
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S.com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Two Two Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and Burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn